to borrow a line out of the Wizard of Oz. Where are we, Toto? The events of these days have, have us all wondering uh, where we stand or where we are. Will this bailout work? What will we have when the dust settles? I think it's time that we take a good look at the biblical message and absorb a few pounds of biblical theology. And so I had presented two passages of Scripture, just inside the front cover and just inside the back cover. The Genesis story of creation and the revelational vision of the recreation, the new heaven and the new earth. From the story of creation, we learn that the world was created and humankind was the so-called crowning event, and then he placed them in charge. But before long, things go awry, and humankind rebelled against God and finds itself working hard and suffering long. I must say I lose patience with those who insist on trying to prove the literalistic account of creation in the Old Testament so as to be of scientific value, and then go on to debunk evolution. I don't know about you, but I was raised on a farm, and I saw evolution going on all around me. We had all kinds of hybrid things going on, and uh, we were breeding up our cattle, breeding up our crops, and so forth, and do, doing all kinds of things. We could see, see change in, in all sorts of ways. I see them evolving all the time. On the other hand, there are those who froth and spit and fume that uh, there's, there's no intelligence behind it all. And so on it goes. And yet, these same people, every time they go to the moon or some other planet and come back with a rock, they think that this is going to unravel the secrets of the universe. Well, I don't know if they're any closer to unraveling the secrets of the universe today than they were 50 years ago or whenever it was that the first moonshot went up. But I would like to remind them both, that is, the rabid evolutionists and the, the rabid creationists of those words of Job. And I am tempted to say, well, I'm not going to say what I'm tempted to say, but I'm going to say the words of Job. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the world. And since neither of you were there, were there, pipe down. Evolution belongs in geology, botany, and zoology classes, and the Bible belongs in literature classes, theology, and philosophy. So where are we? What is our human condition? And how did we get there? Oh, yeah, this, this rant about science and, and, and uh, evolution and so forth, that was just a digression. Where are we? What is our human condition? How did we get here? Allow me to quote my good old friend Reinhold Niebuhr. Man is free, that is, has dominion, 
but man is finite. That is, he's going to die. He's free to dream the impossible dream, but remains a part of the created order. He will always be man, and God will always be God, not with understanding what you hear in the LDS Church. He remains a part of the created order. My frustration, you see, is that trying to to turn the book of Genesis into uh, the account of creation into a scientific textbook is to miss the point of Genesis altogether. Man cannot attain godhood by eating certain fruits. Like the Greeks believed, you eat the fruit of the gods, you can become like God. Don't even try it. It won't work. Rebellion against God is the root of our troubles. But man doesn't learn. Let's build us a ziggurat. Now there's a good six-cylinder word for you. Ziggurat is a, is a ramp to heaven. You know, they call it Jacob's Ladder, you know, but it, it, it's a, a ziggurat is a wider thing than that, and it goes up. You can see remnants of those around. But, you know, if it was a ladder, how in the world were these angels getting up there, climbing all over the top of each other, going on up, or some going down, coming up? I don't know how that would work. But the ziggurat makes the most sense. A stairway to heaven. What was the result? Confusion. Then a man says, I'm going to tear down these barns and I'm going to build bigger barns and I'm going to pour me a stiff shot of brandy and I'm going to say, soul, you got it made. And then the word comes back, you fool, you're going to die tonight. Humankind continues, 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 and continues to overreach themselves. And once in a while, if you keep your eyes open while you're writing the sermons, things fall into your lap. Yesterday, I took in the trib. And there were one, two, three inserts from the real estate folks. Three of them. And here's what they have to say. The stars have aligned themselves for ivory home buyers. Now, ivory bears the same first name as I do, and I'm about ready to change my name. These, today's challenging markets presents a great opportunity to move up into a new home and a lifestyle you've always wanted. Today's great pricing means astronomical savings. Today's low prices make it now the perfect time for existing homeowners to reposition for the future appreciation. Yes, you may sell your existing home for less, but we will give you unparalleled new home pricing along with extraordinary amenities in amazing east side, east side, over here, locales. Well, you go down here and they, they highlight a, a home. It's uh, called the La Chateau Marseille. 
is now for sale after marveling thousands at the 2006 Parade of Homes. Let me tell you about the La Marseille. It has a price of $5,999,000. It was built in 2006. Why in the heck haven't they sold it by now? It has 10,944 square feet. It has five bedrooms and eight bathrooms. Now I ask you folks, no, I'm not going to ask you. <laughs> folks, that's what brought us to where we are, hasn't it, isn't it? Yeah, it has brought us to where we are. Somebody coming in, pricing that thing, and then somebody loaning the money. Being free but finite, we have dominion, but with that dominion you cannot escape responsibility. Fly high as you can, but you've got to come down someplace even if it's with a golden parachute. Wasn't it Voltaire who says, no matter how high the king's throne is, he still sits on his butt. When things are going great, we think that we, we, are, we are gods unto ourselves. We think that we can call the shots and get away with it. How long? How long can we get away with it, Wall Street? How long can we get away with it, D.C.? That is, the capital. Or how long can we get away with it, F.B.C.? Now, the polite language puts it this way. When the market gets too hot, there's a correction coming. In a democracy, when it gets out of hand, there's an election coming. And in the church, when things get out of hand, there is judgment coming. You see, God has woven judgment into the warp and woof of reality. There's a fellow down at Claremont Theological, Graduate Theological School by the name of John Hobbs, and I heard him one time. He says, our deeds, many of our deeds carry, carry judgment right along with them. Well, where are we? Well, we're in the Bible somewhere. The Bible, I believe, rightly understood, is the history of salvation. We lurch to this way and to that way, and when things get bad enough, God steps in and jerks us back with mighty and powerful acts. Puts humankind back on the road. Think of the Bible as a great big map. Okay? And over here, well, a road runs all the way through it. A line runs all the way through it. And over here, you've got creation. And over here, you've got Revelation, the 
city of God. And it's a string of events. We call it salvation history running through there. And you can take uh, anything that you stand, it stands out in your mind and put it on this continuum of human experience. It uh, could be the uh, flood or it, it could be it could be the captivities or uh, it could be any number of things that stand out in your mind. But toward maybe three quarters across, put a line coming down, intersecting history, and put a cross there to mark the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Well... That's God's mighty act of redemption. And then if you went a little bit further, you might put another mark in there and call it the Reformation. And also along in there somewhere, you would probably like to put Paul and John, who wrote the book of Revelation, where they find that there is going to be a new heaven and a new resurrection body. A new heaven and a new earth and a resurrection body. It's coming, folks. It's coming. Not just because the Bible says it is. The apocalyptic writers in our time are the scientists of every, almost every discipline. Geology, meteorology, zoology, medicine, sociology. They're all saying roughly the same thing. That, uh, you know, there are a limited amount of resources. Population's getting thicker all the time. And there's going to be wars. There's going to be famine. There's going to be death. There's going to be pestilence. It's already going on. The Bible speaks of it as the writing of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Well, I have always said the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you know, they, they ride in every, every generation. But they're, 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 they're off in the world. Now, the irony is that from the fundamentalist side, climate change, ozone, de ozone depletion, you know, those kinds of things uh, are unprovable. They're just cyclical. We have times of warm weather and so forth and so on. You heard it, you know, if you watched the debate last week. Well, they also go on to say birth control is immoral, you know, in the face of overpopulation, as is family planning, and in some extreme cases, amniocentesis, and all the rest. But the Bible says it's running out. Science says it is running out. Now we with dominion need to be responsible to minimize suffering, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, until God shows up with the new heaven and the new earth. Tragedy then will melt into joy eternal. In that, that glorious new city where privation gives way to plenty. Drought will give way to the mighty river running through the street. 
where the drugstore gives way to the healing leaves of the trees of life planted along the river, where death and sadness melt away into the presence and peace of God. Where are we, folks? Well, we're on that road. We're on that road. We are looking forward to the city of God. Indeed, we are marching to Zion. Now, we may have to stop once in a while. Stop once in a while because our feet get sore. Stop once in a while because we have wounds. Bind up our wounds. But we're still oriented toward that eternal city, that shining city, where there's no blackouts because God is the light and he is in the midst. There are no gates. There are no cops. There's no privation. There's no death. It will all at that time be behind us. The song says, Come we that love the Lord and let your joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord and thus surround the throne. We're marching. We're marching. We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. That wonderful city of God. Let those refuse to sing that never knew our God. But children of the heavenly king may tell their truth abroad. We're marching, we're marching, we're marching upward to Zion, Zion, that beautiful city of God. Do I get an amen? Amen. On the mountain my Lord spoke, out of his mouth came fire and smoke. Looked all around me, it looked so fine, till I asked my Lord if all was mine. Jordan River is chilly and cold. It chills the body, but not the soul. There ain't but one train upon this track. It runs to heaven and right back. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Yes, every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the Spirit 